Welcome to the Expat Birth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to empowering expat families as they navigate pregnancy, birth, and postpartum abroad by sharing resources and stories. Are you ready? Let's get started. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and to serve families as a platform for sharing stories. Any information shared by the main host or special guests is not intended as medical advice. It is vital that you consult with a medical provider before making any medical decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Expat Birth Podcast. My name is Chandler, your host, and today I am joined by Ansley, and she's going to share her story of her birth in Central Asia. And I'm really excited for her to come and share a really kind of crazy birth story where the Lord just kind of uh, provided all the right things at the right time. And she... Ansley and I know each other through our husbands. We went, they went to school together and we were able to move overseas within the same year of each other and kind of had parallel uh, experiences. And so Ansley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and please introduce us to your family. Thank you for having me. Um, Like Chandler said, my name's Ansley. Um, My husband is Brian, and we have two boys, Chap, who is six, and Beckett, who just turned three. And then we have a little girl on the way. She will be here in late fall. So we're we're very excited to be adding a third one. And I was telling Chandler earlier that... um, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have never said that we would be birthing another one. But um, anyway, the Lord is good and yes. his blessings are wonderful. So um, Beckett, my second, was the one that was born overseas. And then Chap, my oldest, who's six, he was born here in the United States. And we moved just a couple days before he turned one. So um, his first birthday was spent in Central Asia, which is really cool. And he likes to tell that story. He doesn't remember it, but he likes to to talk about being overseas. I was telling Chandler earlier as we were preparing um, to move overseas, we knew we had to be in a large city because when I was pregnant with Chap, I found out that my blood type was negative. Mm. And so um, because of that, if, if any of you have a negative blood type and, and have had a baby or have been pregnant, you know that you have to go through with a rogam shot during pregnancy and then if the baby has a positive blood type you have to get it right after they're born Mm -hmm. Um, and just I don't even want to go all into what that means you can look it up um, if you're (laughs) interested but because of that to for us to be able to go overseas um, we needed to be in a large city that had health care easy to access you know we can get in the car and or get an ambulance and be in the hospital, be at the hospital, like very quickly if, mm-hmm. if I needed to be, um, for those reasons. So that was just the Lord. I feel like even, you know, three years before Beckett's birth, just getting us ready for the craziness of his birth. And so, um, like I said, about three, I guess, uh, three years and a few months after Chap was born, Beckett was born. And um, his due date was actually July, I believe, 21st. 
Okay. So, Good memory. Um, yeah. So the November before we found out we were pregnant with him and I would say like his pregnant, my pregnancy with Beckett, my three-year-old was um, so much easier than chap. Like with oh, chap, I was awesome. very sick at the beginning. And then um, I had like lots of swelling, like starting about halfway through my pregnancy with chap. I was just, I was very uncomfortable. I had like, I remember a couple weeks in his pregnancy where I wasn't sick and I wasn't swollen yet. And so I like had a couple good weeks, but with Beckett, I think because we had to walk so much, we used a lot of public transportation Mm -hmm. that I believe just really helped because I 30 minutes a day. So I feel like I was so much healthier with Beckett's birth. I mean, with Beckett's pregnancy Mm -hmm. or I felt better. Yeah. Um, but, um, about 10 days before his due date, we went into the hospital, which is just to give some background where we're, where we were overseas, all the doctor's offices are in a hospital. So like, if you go to the dentist, you go to the hospital. If you, interesting, you know, go see a dermatologist, you go to the hospital. That's just, they're all there, which is really interesting. And it's great because if you need to do multiple appointments, you just kind of yeah. do it all at one there. time. So we went to the hospital for my, just a checkup, like, you know, 10 days prior to, you know, that's when you're kind of going weekly, Mm -hmm. um, right before your due date. And so we were sitting in the waiting room and, um, I need to go to the bathroom, you know, like normal Mm -hmm. towards, especially towards the end of pregnancy. So I went to the bathroom, came back. And when I went into labor with chap, um, my six year old, my water did not break. They actually had to break it, um, when we got to the hospital. So I didn't really know what that like felt like. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I got back from the bathroom, I sat back down and then I kind of felt this gush of what people would say feels like, you know, how people had explained what water breaking feels like. Mm -hmm. So I look at my husband, Brian, and I'm like, I think my water just broke. And so we were trying. So we, we had been at this point, we had been overseas for a little over two years, about two and a half years. And so we, we knew the language. Okay. It's, it's a really hard language to learn, Mm -hmm. um, especially for English speakers. So Brian was much better than I was, um, in language, but we were, we were trying to figure out because like water, like drinking water and water breaking is probably two different things in this language. And we yes. not. so we were trying to figure out how to say it in their language because the receptionist, they, they did not speak English. My doctor did, and he was very good at English, but the receptionist did not. And so we were trying to figure it out. And Brian went up there and he was trying to explain. And I stood up and I could feel <laughs> I mean, this is kind of TMI, but I could feel liquid like going down my leg and I yeah. looked down and it was actually blood. It was okay. not my water breaking. And so at the time, like I didn't know what was going on. I had always heard that sometimes when your water breaks, it's, it can be tinged with blood. And so I still thought like that's what was happening. Yeah. But receptionist looked very concerned when she saw and so they took me to a waiting room. My daughter was still, I mean, we were waiting to see him. It was just a normal appointment, but we just happened to be in the waiting room. Um, and so he was finishing up with a patient and we didn't think, I mean, I wasn't concerned. You know, I was thinking, well, I'm going to be 
you know, I was in labor with chat for like 24 hours. So, you know, I'm yeah. like in no rush. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel bad. Like, you know, so it, it seemed like forever, but I didn't, I wasn't like too concerned. Um, and so he came in and he was like, okay, I'm going to admit you because this is not your water breaking. Um, this is something else. And so, um, they put me in a wheelchair and they were taking me to just a normal room and they were going to admit me. And I guess, I don't know if he was going to run tests or whatever, but between like hit like his like normal office and then like labor and delivery, which is just like up a floor, I had lost so much blood. He knew at that point my placenta have had ruptured. So were you were having any contractions or was this just no, I, I was not like, um, I couldn't feel back at moving and, mm. um, I was not having any contractions. I mean, I was having no like labor pains at this point or anything like that. Okay. It was just, it was, it was really strange, but, but at the same time, I didn't really know what was going on. So like, I didn't, I didn't really know what, what should be going on. Right. Um, so did he let on what he thought it was or was he just getting you to the other location and then? Yeah, I don't think he thought it was quite as serious. Um, okay. Because I was laying, like they, they laid me kind of on just like a exam table while uh-huh. we were waiting on him. And so I don't know if laying down, like I know there oh, was kind of a lot of blood, but um, I think sitting up in the wheelchair Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it was, I don't know. I, I lost a lot of blood throughout the whole process. I mean, okay. I, it, I spent quite a few hours the night Beckett was born having blood transfusions and that kind of thing. So, okay. um, I think he knew what was going on, but I don't know if like, if it's more serious than other times, like, like for me and he told me this, I mean, he's been practicing at that time for 20 plus years, probably. And he said that out of that amount of time, he's only had five patients with that happen. And mine was the most severe that he had seen. Okay. Um, and so I don't know if there are times where that can happen and they can make it stop mm. or there's times, I just don't know how all that works. I, yeah, it, it can you, be you might partial, partial, like how much of the placenta. So if anybody's struggling to catch what was happening so what was happening was her placenta usually a baby is born and then after the birth of the baby the placenta detaches from the wall of the uterus and is delivered Um, but in this case her placenta was detaching from the wall of the uterus before Beckett was born and so when a placenta detaches it is basically a large open wound in your uterus. But after a baby's born, your uterus is contracting. So that contraction um, basically helps stop the, the bleeding from the wound. But in this case, um, she's not contracting. The baby Beckett hasn't been born. So it's just kind of like an open wound inside of her uterus ca- causing bleeding. That's good. I didn't really <laughs> know that even myself. He probably explained that to me, but you know, you know, you like in a a few other things, you just don't get a lot. Yeah. So when I got to the room, um, they started prepping me for C-section. Like they had an an OR ready for somebody else. They delayed them 
they got me in, um, they put me to sleep. Um, I remember the, I was laying there and Brian had to go sign a paper or mm-hmm. some papers. And when we were on the way to the operating room, I asked my doctor if Brian was going to be able to be in the room with me. And he said, yes. And then by the time we got from the room, they had put me in where I was, you know, I was in that room for like five minutes. It felt like, because they were taking my jewelry off and then put me on, a well, I guess I was in the wheelchair. They put me on the bed and then they wheeled the bed into the operating room. And then I, you know, they moved me over to the operating table or whatever Mm -hmm. and I had lost so much blood even in that point of time he was like we've just we've got to go so Brian like got stopped at the door he didn't get to go in oh wow um the anesthesiologist there were two there was one on both sides of my head and I remember one of them they like held something I've never had surgery like I had never been put to sleep before so like all this was so new to me and you weren't planning you weren't planning on having a C-section like you no. were, this was like not even on your radar. Yeah. I mean, I, and like chap, like his birth was very, it was pretty normal. Like, like I said, my water didn't break on its own, but I had an epidural with him. They broke my water. My labor was long, but then once they broke my water, I was going up a centimeter, like every hour he, I pushed for, 30 to 45 minutes and he was born. I mean, it was very routine. So I was yeah. expecting that with Beckett. Um, okay. You know, I had, that's what I had planned, but mm-hmm. Lord had other plans. So, um, so yeah, so I, um, they put me to sleep. I remember him saying, you'll be asleep in like five seconds. And I was thinking, no way, like yeah. I'm wide awake. And then the next thing I know I'm waking up. And so, Right after the birth, it was, um, it was very scary for, for about an hour because, um, they had put me to sleep. Like I said, they did the C-section and then they put me in, I don't know, some kind of triage to wake up. I mean, just like any other person who's been in surgery and has Mm -hmm. been put to sleep, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know if Beckett had survived, you know, I didn't know anything like Brian wasn't there I was in and out waking up and going back to sleep and waking up and the people that were like watching me I guess they couldn't speak English so they didn't know like I was trying to ask and they probably couldn't even say they probably didn't even know themselves so right um, what was going on so you know I just remember praying during that time that he was okay but then also praying that the Lord would make me okay if, if he wasn't okay and mm, yeah. and all that. And so finally, when I guess I got to a point where I was awake enough, they moved me to back to the like hospital room, the recovery room, or, okay. you know, like the room that we were in the rest of the time. And so, I mean, like a minute after I got back to the room, Brian came in and like I was alone for a little bit, but Brian came in and he was like, he's okay he told me he was in the NICU that it took them about two minutes to revive him. So he was not breathing when he, when they, you know, pulled him out and, Mm. um, but they were able to revive him. Thankfully we were in a hospital that had a NICU. It was a small NICU, but, um, there were three other babies with him in the NICU and he was able to go in and take a picture. And so I got to see a picture of him Mm. and, um, And then, so that was like 
two o'clock in the afternoon and I think about eight or nine that night we got to go see him in person for the first time. Wow. Um, I mean, Brian had been earlier that day, but that was the first time I got to go see him. And at that point, they, they, in the picture that Brian took, he had all kinds of stuff, you know, he was hooked up to. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to see him, he wasn't hooked up to so much. So okay, that's it was good to see that. And um, and then the day after he was born, we got I got to hold him for the first time. So okay, um, and we had I mean just wonderful care. Like I just can't imagine. We had a we had a great experience with Chat, but like I don't know we we were in a smaller hospital, but it was um. So the country we were living in at the time, they do like private health care and um, universal health care, I guess. That's mm-hmm. the correct term. And so because we had such good insurance, we could do everything privately, mm-hmm. which was a huge blessing because yes. um, because we got just amazing care. I mean, we had a wonderful NICU doctor. She was there all the time, like. Like, every time we went in there, she was there. So I guess yeah. she went home. I don't know. But yeah. she was always there. She was always keeping um, us up to date on things. The same nurses were there. I mean, it was just, we really kind of got to know all of them. Um, and I just remember, like, going into the NICU. And Beckett was in the very last bed. And just going and seeing the three kind of on the other side of him. Because I had mm-hmm. to pass all of them. And they were so little. And then Beckett was so big because he was basically full term. I mean, he was, you know, 10 days before his due date. So, like, that was such a blessing, too, that he was big and he, he had developed all the things he needed, you know, to survive that birth. And um, so we we were there at the hospital for four days. Our insurance covered um, us, like me and Brian, being able to stay for four up to five days um and we thought we were going to have to leave leave him and we didn't have yeah. to that he he ended up doing great on the te- all the tests that they wanted him to pass before we left and he did so good with all that he ate really well I mean they didn't have any issues sending him home after four days and that's then, amazing so he's discharged yeah. with you at the same time yeah. And, um, yeah, he was discharged and we like, he even got to stay in the room with us the last night we were there. So oh, um, wow. like, I just remember we went and saw him that morning, um, like the morning before we left. So like one day before we left and they were like, they showed us this room that was kind of part of the NICU and it was for like parents, they could move into this room, but they still like were right beside the NICU. Okay. And so we thought we were going to have to go there that night. And like after lunch that day, they like wheeled him in. We didn't even know he was coming, but they wheeled oh. him into our room and they were like, he, we did all these tests we wanted to do and he passed them perfectly. And he's like graduated from the NICU. So he got to even be like, you know, in a normal, I think they took him to the normal nursery for part of the time. Anyways, it yeah. just, it was just a really, even though like, that was just a very hard and stressful time. And even the weeks after his birth were very stressful and crazy. Just knowing like he got to be in the hospital, like normally for a little bit. Um, yeah. Great. And then, 
you know, our NICU doctor had all the other doctors lined up to give him tests, like, after we had gone home. So his first two weeks, I think we were at the hospital every other day, and um, he, you know, they had a sight test, test, he had a neuro, neurological test, I mean, literally any test just to make sure that everything was functioning. And, you know, a lot of the doctors were like, his tests are coming back fine. But, you know, later in life, he, you know, when he's even a year from now, like he might have some issues with this particular thing. You just never know. And I mean, now as a three-year-old, like he's so smart. Like he learned so much in school this past year. It's kind of his first year of school. And he knows all the alphabets. He's talking so well. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't see any sort of delays for him. And so. Amazing. You know, it's just, I hope that, like, this story can encourage people who may have gone through this recently Mm -hmm. or may go through it in the future. I mean, I hope nobody has to, but, um, you know, the Lord was just so good in providing so many things um, Mm. for us in that. And while I would never want that to happen to him or to us again, like, I think the Lord was just... I mean, he, he used so many people to bless us during that time and, and himself just providing so many things at the exact moment we needed it. And so, I mean, just the fact that of all places it, your bleeding started was in the hospital. is just pretty amazing. I mean, literally 15 minutes before it started, we were on a subway to get to the hospital. You know, I mean. Or, like, it could have happened an hour after we left the hospital. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's crazy that we were, like, where we needed to be Mm -hmm. from the moment we got to the hospital to the moment he was born was, like, less than an hour, which, I mean, being in a huge city, like, and I didn't know what was going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, now, like, if anything like that ever happened, I'd be like, get to the hospital. But at, right. at the time, I didn't know, well, I didn't that's, know what was going on. So. It's so rare, and it's definitely not something people talk about. So it's not something you would think of as something's happening. So Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, yeah, I had never even heard, heard of it. So. Yeah. So you stayed in there for four days. Were you really weak for the first few days or did they get uh, blood in you pretty quickly and you, you were feeling kind of back to normal as well, normal as you can be right after major abdominal surgery? Yeah. I remember being very uncomfortable, um, just from the C-section. Yeah. And it took me a long time to heal Mm -hmm. from it. I mean, like months and months and I don't, I mean, you might can speak more on this. I've talked to a couple people who have, who had an emergency C-section and then had a scheduled C-section and they Mm -hmm. said the recovery was completely different. Yeah. (laughs) I remember right after Chap was born, my Mm six-year-old, he was a vaginal birth. And I remember like the moment he came out, like I instantly felt better. Like I just, I felt amazing. And I remember like, you know, a day or so after we got out of the hospital, like I was ready to put him in the stroller and go for a walk. Like Mm -hmm. I felt awesome. But like with Beckett, I mean, 
I, I do think I did more than I should have after a C-section. I did not yeah. ever prepare myself for a C-section. And right. this time with this third, I'm planning to have a, a scheduled C-section. You know, that's the plan. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to that point um, and do it that way. But I feel like I learned a lot with his C-section. I don't think it has anything to do with the particular, like the way the birth was, but it, right. I just, I didn't allow myself to rest. Um, I did in the hospital because I was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't remember feeling weak. I know that night they wouldn't really let me get out of the bed, like right after the C-section. Yeah. I, I can't remember if they... They probably, I mean, I don't, like, they were very much like, you cannot do anything. Um, and so, I, I don't even know if I got out of the bed until the next, well, we went and walked and saw Beckett. So, I got up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, quick question. This is something mm-hmm. that I've heard differences in, in different parts of the world. Did they let you sit up right after the C-section or did they, man, like, m- make you lay down for a certain period of time? Well, you know, I, I had to lay there to wake up for about an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't even know how long it was. It felt like a million years, but yeah. I think it was only about an hour. And I was like laying straight, like I couldn't do anything. Okay. Um, And then I remember when I got back to the room, I was like sitting, like I was reclined. I wasn't like sitting straight up, but. But you were still. I, I was not like laying flat. Okay. Um, so they did let me sit up. Um, and I mean, like, I feel like right after I got to the room, they brought me that hospital grade pump and they were like, you need yeah. a pump. And I mean, I sat up to do that. So, um, and just, I think, cause I remember this just because I know you, you pump, did you pump exclusively or you, you for, um, chap or you mm-hmm. pumped a lot? You I did. I okay. pumped exclusively for Chap, and then I ended up pumping exclusively for Beckett. Um, okay. So you just did not work with Chap. We, that was one thing um, I wish that could have been differently with Chap. We had different, you know, they do different shifts. And so the hospital we were at when Chap was born had a full-time lactation consultant. And if you chose to nurse, they would come in like every time the baby needed to eat. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had, like, four different, like, I never saw the same lactation consultant. Mm, Yeah. And they told me different things every single time. And it was just, it was so stressful. And so, he just, I just could never get, we just could never get it going. I don't know. We just could never. Thankfully, I was able to produce and I exclusively pumped for him. And so, with Beckett, I was like, I'm not doing that. We are going to like get it and then of course like he was in the NICU and Mm -hmm. we didn't get to touch him until almost 24 hours after he was born and he had already been given you know a bottle and stuff so we tried um I remember like I talked to the lactation consultant at the hospital Beckett was born in and there was just one so it was good like yeah I mean consistency it was consistent and then um, she knew my desire for nursing and we tried so hard and um, we even to the point, I mean, Brian and I were like so tired, you know, after a yeah. and like you just are tired. And so they told us, um, you know, not to give him a bottle. 
So to supplement, because he would nurse for like a little bit. He did Mm -hmm. really, he did much better nursing, but he wouldn't nurse long enough Mm. and he wasn't gaining weight. And so we had to supplement with pumped and um, they wanted us to use the cups. (laughs) We used a cup. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't we just use a syringe? Like it was like, you know, why didn't we just take a little medicine thing and just give little drops? It's not like a bottle. It's very different just yeah. for the supplementing part. But I just remember like Brian would put him, he would put his knees up and he would put Beckett's head kind of like between his knees and he would have this little medicine cup of breast milk. <laughs> and he would, um, you know, try to give Beckett just little drops at a time and it was going everywhere. Where, yeah, I mean, we had to... I did laundry so much, like, right after Beckett was born because we were trying to feed him through with a cup. And oh, I know that's, yeah. like, that's just what some people have to do, and that's yeah. the best thing. But I wish that we would have thought about trying. But you're just not in a – you're not in a mental capacity where you can think of – No. <laughs> think creatively. But I was just so, thinking that was a kind of a blessing in a way that you were an experienced pumper. So like when they handle you, <laughs> hand you that pump after he's born, now that he's in the NICU, for a lot of like first time moms or moms who have never had to use a pump, that's a steep learning curve. Yeah. But, like, you, you already <laughs> like you felt very comfortable with that. And so um, that's true. I had never, you know, that's just another blessing. Like I had not even thought about like as annoying as it was to do with Chap and Beckett, it, it really, like, I'm, I'm so thankful that we could do that. You know, I'm planning this time, like, to try nursing again, but if it doesn't work, yeah. I'm planning to pump, and, I mean, and I didn't, Beck, Chap was on breast milk the whole first year. I got a really bad infection when Beckett was about nine months, and I just lost my supply, and I couldn't get it back, so he ended up being on formula the last you know few months of his first year but um but he I mean he transitioned right into that he was fine with it oh that's great so yeah so I mean you know yeah it you just different I know it's different for each child if if I learned that I mean that is one thing or if I didn't learn anything that's one thing I learned after having two is that pregnancies are different births are different mm-hmm. their first years are different even their first few years have been different I mean Chap yep. spent his first three years overseas where Beckett he was five months when we moved back so he's been in America you know as much as he can remember so yeah yeah so, yeah so um you had another you had a complication postpartum didn't you um in the yes. last few weeks <laughs> like you don't have to take as much detail or as little detail as you want, but I just think it might be, um, I haven't really had anyone on the podcast who really had like a postpartum like complication. So I just think it'd be mm-hmm. helpful for maybe other people to hear, um, just as an education point or whatever, just to share your experience with that. Sure. So, um, so like I said, the first couple weeks we were back and forth to the hospital with Beckett. Um, I really did not sit and rest like I should have post mm-hmm. C-section. You know, I when we weren't at the hospital, like in the culture we were living in, we had lots of people coming and visiting. And mm-hmm. one thing about that is like they expect your house to be spotless. Um, but a lot of times, and this is just a little fun fact, 
um, where we li- where we lived overseas, um, new moms typically will live with their mother, so the grandmother of the new baby, mm-hmm. for 40 days after they have their baby. And they okay. are not allowed to do anything. They sit there, they feed their baby, and their moms take care of everything. They cook for them, they bring them food, they clean, they help the moms with whatever they need, like for 40 days they are not to lift a finger. So like, you know, in that culture, when people are coming, the new mom is just, you know, taking care of herself and taking care of the baby. But like for me, like my mom did come for the first two weeks after Becca was born, but she was taking care of chap. Yeah. We were back and forth to the hospital. So like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't sitting and resting and waiting for people to come visit me right we were having visitors in between going to the hospital and coming back and it was just crazy and so because of that I kept developing this fever at the end of at the end of the day um I would sit down finally and rest and I would get this fever and it was towards the end of the time that my mom was there and she was like Ansley you really need to go get this checked out and I was like I'm sure it's nothing you know and so after it happening a few nights in a row she had already gone back to America I one night it just it got very high I don't even know what it went up to but it was it was like dangerously high the first few days it was like 102 so like I was like that's not a big deal you know I just had a baby I'm recovering like that's probably just but I think it got up to like 104, 105 mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get it down with medicine or anything. So we went to the emergency room and, you know, they ran some tests and I had an infection um, and they, they thought it was mastitis, but like I was pumping fine. I had no tenderness in my breast. Like I had had mastitis with chap mm-hmm. and it just, I just, I mean, I guess it could have been that, but I, like, I didn't have any pain. Like, you know, there was nothing, I didn't feel like anything was clogged. I didn't have tenderness there. So I really think it was at my C-section site. Yeah. Um, there was no like signs of an infection anywhere really except for this fever mm-hmm. and so um you know at the time again I was pumping so I had my pump with me and we were in the ER and thankfully we there was someone that could come watch Beckett that night and so it was me Brian I mean watch chat that night it was yeah. me Brian and Beckett at the ER and I was pumping while we were there I had this infection we had a great doctor. It was a different doctor. It wasn't my doctor, but we had a great doctor take care of me during that time. And um, he uh, gave me antibiotics that was safe for me to take while I was, you know, pumping breast milk mm-hmm. for Beckett. And, um, and then he gave me something like I had something through an IV. So we were there for a few hours. And then I just, I took that antibiotic for probably two weeks. And after a couple of days, you know, I felt fine. But, um, but you know, it's one of those things like your body really, if you have any sort of complication and your body is showing you signs like mm-hmm. a high fever or something like that, it's probably good to go ahead and get that checked, like, checked out. Especially like, I mean, if anybody has any kind of surgery, you mm-hmm. know, they have a fever like something's not right. So, right. you know, I, 
my thing with a C-section is I just, it, it took me a while to like wrap my mind around it being a major surgery. Like I never really like put it up there with like a knee surgery or, you know, these surgeries that are somewhat minor surgeries, but I always felt like they were so much worse than a C-section. I don't really know why. Yeah. Because C-sections are just talked about so commonly and a lot of people have them. Yeah. So I just didn't like really understand the seriousness of, because if someone has a knee surgery, like they're not getting up and walking and going to the hospital every other day and not resting. Like Mm -hmm. they're sitting on the sofa for two weeks or in the bed and they're not, you know, they're not doing anything like they're, they're allowing themselves to heal. And so I think a lot of times, like not everybody, but some, I know there's people like I was, they just don't take the time they need to like rest and truly recover Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean you it's not just the surgery like you have so many other things going on you have a new baby you're trying to take care of yes you're not sleeping you know you're getting up you're having to nurse or pump or feed a baby every two to three hours you know so I do think like you know some people I'm telling myself this needs to take it seriously and maybe even um, even more serious, think of it as being more serious than that, just because there's so many other things going on yes. at the same time, like your body's trying to recover. So, exactly. um, so if you have a C-section, my encouragement is to just rest. Don't worry about the dishes or mm. the cleaning or any of that. And if people are there to help you, let them help you and just sit and hold your baby and enjoy that time with them and let your body heal. Mm. I think, you know, it wasn't a major complication, but it could have been, you know, if I would have waited longer. Yeah. I'm just glad that you, you went ahead and went in. So last question before I wrap up, I was just curious, like through all of this, I mean, obviously that was, uh, y'all had a lot going on. Like it went from a totally normal pregnancy to just took this crazy turn. And then you just were just kind of had a stressful first several weeks postpartum. Like how were you guys doing emotionally? Like how was Brian processing all of this? Have y'all had to like, did it just take time for y'all to come to terms with what had happened and just process, process everything? Like what did that look like for you guys? Yeah. Um, I, I am like so incredibly thankful for my husband because he just, he, I mean, part of us being overseas with like what he was doing overseas, he was, um, very flexible. Um, Mm -hmm. he was teaching English and it was only a couple of times a week and it was at night. And so he was with us during the day and he could take on a lot more. Now I know that's not the case for most people. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people have their husband who has to go right back to work and be at work 40 hours a week. And so like, that was a blessing in itself. But like, I do think he did a really good job of taking on as much as he possibly could. I mean, obviously he could not, um, pump milk, but like Mm -hmm. he would feed Beckett so that I wasn't pumping and feeding him. Mm -hmm. And, um, because like with chap, I had to do that, um, because he was working, but, Gotcha. There was not as much going on after Chap was born. Like he was an only child and I was at home with him. So that worked fine. But like with Beckett, like 
you know, I had a touch of postpartum depression, mm-hmm. which with that, like just with everything going on, like that was hard. Like I just, I remember it just being yeah. so hard and I felt so guilty and for him to like, for Brian to recognize that. And, you know, I didn't really talk to anyone about it and it was very mm-hmm. short. It was a short time. But I think the reason that it didn't last as long is because Brian would like literally take both of the boys and he, you know, he would give me time to just be by myself or he would get, you know, and most Mm -hmm. of that time I was sleeping. So, you know, he gave me time to like rest and nap and like recover because at that, you know, up until that point, you know, this was, you know, a few weeks after Beckett was born. Like I, I couldn't really do that. There was so much going on. So like, when we finally were done, like going back and forth and we were at home, I feel like that's kind of when that started. And so like, yes, emotionally, it was so much harder this time. And, you know, I feel like Satan can use so many things within a birth, like, Mm. like, you know, I thought so many times, like, what, like, is this because I'm RH negative? Like, did this happen to him because of that? Like, because of me? Mm-hmm. Or was it something I did during pregnancy that was not safe that I just mm-hmm. didn't know and caused this? And, you know, like that's, that's just Satan like, so many trying lives. to make yeah. you feel guilty because there's no reason for those things that, you know, happen. Yeah. It just happens. It's just one of those things. And then, you know, not being able to breastfeed, like that was a whole nother thing, like not getting that, like. I I just didn't feel like I bonded with Beckett at first. It took me a long time and that was really difficult. Um, And I feel like, like with Chap, I bonded like right away, but Mm -hmm. with Beckett, it took a long time. And, you know, I think that was just some resentment of like the way his birth happened. Not that it was his fault, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a lot part of postpartum depression, just these, yep. these things that these thoughts that come to your mind, like for me now, like, does it make sense that I would ever think those things? But in that, in that time, it's just what it felt very you know. real. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it was very difficult. And I know like, like Brian, I'm, sh- I mean, he's not right here. I can't really ask him, but I know like emotionally there was a lot that he was dealing with, but I think, mm-hmm you know, men and women are so different, especially when a woman is going through like recent post, you know, mm-hmm. the fourth trimester or whatever they like to call it with all of your hormones changing and that kind of stuff. It just makes things a little worse. And so, you know, I think like there was a lot that he was dealing with just because he was having to watch me struggle emotionally. Yeah. Um, but I think like, you know, I'm sure he would say that, he would pray specifically for those things and the Lord would grant him peace in those, those times about those things. And, Mm. you know, just, um, trying to do what, what he felt like was best for me and for the boys in that time. And I, you know, and it's one of those things like we still, even the, the year of falling back its birth, like there were still really hard, times um just like things coming up and just memories and because it was very traumatic I mean yeah you know the birth itself and 
I mean, Brian being met at the door saying he couldn't go in and he didn't know what was going on and, right. you know, all that stuff. So like thinking back on it, like it can be very scary and like, you know, this pregnancy that I'm in now is, you know, I've had to really pray about some things yep. differently this time because, you know, the trauma that we faced with Beckett. And so, um, you know, no. being pregnant is, is one of the things that's always been hard for me because I'm, I'm such a, like, I love to have control of things. And so, oh, yeah. you know, you really can't, you can be as perfect in your pregnancy and be as healthy as possible. And, you know, like I said, I felt wonderful in Beckett's pregnancy compared to Chaps, but you see the, the birth was so different. So, yep. you know, it's all up to how the Lord wants it to happen and how he provides and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I definitely, I, when, when we were having Elise, you know, like my, my traumatic birth was my first one. And then my second one was mm-hmm. kind of like my redeeming birth and um, going into that second birth. I actually met with a counselor on two separate mm-hmm. occasions, just during my pregnancy um, just to process it. Cause it was mm-hmm. just like, it is, it's kind of like, I thought I was fine. Like it had been two and a half years since the birth. I thought I had processed it all, but there's something different about when you're about to go back into birth again for real, that mm-hmm. it kind of brings up, Oh, maybe I just need to process through this again. Yeah. It's, it's so true, but I'm, I'm glad you're, you're able to recognize that and work through it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think you shared a very, like, it was definitely a hard experience, but I could definitely hear the hope that you had and that there was, you know, it was hard, but the Lord was faithful. He provided. I think that will be, I hope it will be helpful for someone else to hear, like you said, to be an encouragement of um, these things happened. Um, and yes, you definitely need to, uh, we don't want to understate those at all, but um mm-hmm. You also, Beckett is here and he is healthy and you have a little boy and I will be posting their pictures, hopefully. Um, so you can see, see him. Last question that I ask everyone, um, unless there's something else that you would like to say, is there anything else you would like to, like to add? I don't think so. I mean, I think just trust the Lord and pray for peace when, mm. when you don't have peace or you're anxious about something, especially within a pregnancy or even a birth. And, you know, I just hope Beckett's story and his birth and now as a healthy three-year-old, you know, he's so fun and like the whole, and I do want to mention, I know I talked about how it took us a long time to bond, but like, he is my buddy now. Like he loves me. He loves his mama. And I mean, we have a, we have a really special relationship in like the hard times right after having a little one and just the emotions of it, like the Lord will even redeem those times because, Mm. you know, I think back and like, I do feel bad that I ever had those thoughts, but at the same time, I'm like, there was a lot going on at that time Mm -hmm. and the Lord like gave us Beckett and he made him healthy and he he gave it not only made him healthy, but he gave us the bond that I wanted so desperately. And even mm-hmm. now, like as a three-year-old, like, you know, we have such a great bond and I'm just, I'm so thankful he's here with us and that we get to watch him grow. And I pray that if someone is going through something traumatic and you're listening to this, like just 
just have hope that you'll get through it one day and, Mm. and the Lord, you know, will just, will make everything okay again. And, um, you know, he, he will continue to bless you within that traumatic situation. Because Mm. like I said, two years ago, when we were still even processing Beckett's birth and I said, we would never have another one. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, here I am halfway through my third pregnancy Mm-hmm. And so excited about this one. And yeah. I have, the Lord has just given me a really good peace during this pregnancy, even though I've had some fears and stuff like that. Like looking at Beckett now and seeing like how well he's done has, you know, just reminded us that the Lord will provide this time, you know, he's yeah. going to take care of us and protect us this time too. So, yes. Yeah. That was such a good word. Thank you for sharing that. So my final, my final question that I ask uh, everyone or try to is now that like, what was a way that you were practically helped by people um, back in the States? I know you said your mom came and visited, which is fantastic. Um, Or like, what is now that you've been through this experience of cross-cultural birth, like what is a way that you would support others better? If that makes sense. I definitely don't want to talk negatively about the whole birthing, how things happen in America. (laughs) But I do think like being overseas, even though I did too much and I got an infection and had some issues and all that, like they were so like the people overseas firstly were just so um, like accommodating to us, the locals there so willing to help in so many ways. I mean, they would come and bring us meals or cook us meals and um, just go run errands for us. I mean, they, um, because they knew that we didn't have family Mm. near. And so, so many of them came together to try to support us as, as much as they could. And so that was such a blessing. And I think that's just a good like encouragement and reminder, like for us to do that for our friends here in America, because, Mm. you know, a lot of people don't live near family or they may live near family, but their family doesn't help a lot or just can't help a lot. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have the flexibility to go and um, help a friend who's, you know, just had a baby, whether it be you take them a meal or you even just go and you help them do some dishes or I mean, you know your friends better than I do. Yeah. But there's there's things like there's always something you can help somebody with and just take off of them so that they can be present with their new baby. Um, but yeah, my mom was able to come for a couple weeks, and I mean that's crazy. That's a blessing in itself because when we were going back and forth to the hospital, like she was at home with Chap, like she had planned to come to be with us and help with the new baby. But yeah. she ended up coming and helping with chat like the whole time. But yeah. that was good for them to be able to spend that time together. Um, and then my mother-in-law came um, a couple months later. And okay. um, and she, w- she only got to stay for a few days. But, you know, she came and she brought some things that we needed. And, and then, you know, we had so many people praying for us. Like, mm. there's a seven-hour difference, I believe, at the time. And so... It was kind of early-ish morning when all this happened and word spreads fast in a small town and we yeah. had, we had so many people praying for us. Like 
in the moment that the C-section was happening in the moment of the Mm -hmm. hour after he was born that I just had no idea if he was alive or not, you know, in those four days later, as he was recovering in the NICU um, and doing better than the doctors thought he should be doing, you know, um, and even the two weeks after when we were going back and forth, you know, um, like even though those, the people over, you know, here in America couldn't, give us meals and, and do things like that. Like the prayers and I don't think we could have gotten through it without the encouragement from them. Mm. Um, you know, so that's just another thing too. Like if you're listening to this and you've never been overseas, but you may know someone who lives overseas, whether they're pregnant or not, like one of the things that was always helpful for us was to hear from our families and Mm. family and friends back in America that they had not forgotten about us and that they were thinking about us and praying for us, you know, even though, you know, they may not talk to us on a daily basis. So I would also encourage those of you who are listening to like love. That's a good way to love on Mm -hmm. your loved ones that are overseas, just to, you know, send them a quick email and just say, I'm thinking about you or a text message or on social media or whatever. Um, Like, even that short little thing just goes so far. So it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing Beckett's birth with us. And we are excited for you to, for the upcoming birth. Yeah. Thank you. I just want to thank everyone for listening through the end here and for joining us for yet another episode we will be back next month hopefully around the 15th that's always the goal but until then i hope you have a great you can find me online at theglobalbirthcoach.com on social media you can find me on pinterest instagram and facebook at the global birth coach On the Global Birth Coach Facebook page, there is an affiliated closed group called the Virtual Village, and that's where I'm active most often. This group is designed to be a place where expat families can come together to encourage each other and share resources as they navigate pregnancy, birth, and postpartum abroad. Come and join us. We would love to have you there.